Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The Draymond Green Show is presented... By FanDuel. The NBA season kicking into gear, baby. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. FanDuel app is safe. You get paid fast. A lot of ways to play. The spread, the money line, team totals, players, props. A lot of stuff. Over-unders. Jump into the action. Same game parlays are my favorite. Just use the promo code Colin and download the FanDuel app today. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets, not just to the Dubs games, but your favorite NBA team, check out Game Time, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the U.S. And it doesn't stop with the NBA. Game Time has tickets to the NFL playoffs, NHL, and college basketball games, even concerts and comedy shows, too. So if you're in New York and you want to go see the Knicks take on Cleveland or the Lakers, Game Time has you covered. Or if you want to see Adam Sandler live tonight, this weekend, anytime soon, download the Game Time app, create an account, and redeem code GREEN in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. Terms may apply. Again, create an account, enter the code GREEN, that's G-R-E-E-N, for $20 off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price, guaranteed. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. I am excited to have this next guest. Um, In my opinion, the founding father of the Fab Five, the leader, um, the person who really embodied that spirit. Now, as you know, I can't really be too fond of that, being that it's from the other school. However... You know, you grow up in the state of Michigan. Really, you grow up anywhere, and you watch basketball. If if you know anything, you knew something about the Five Five. And obviously, growing up in the state of Michigan, it's all right there. From Detroit Southwestern High School, the 13th pick in the NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets, Jalen Rose, my brother, uh, more like, like more like an uncle of mine. I, I appreciate <laughs> you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Appreciate the love. You're killing it. Keep doing your thing. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Uh, I mean, just getting right into it. um, I get a lot of credit for being the first active player um, doing TV. That's actually you. 
<laughs> it's actually you. How how did you go about um, way back? I think in 2006, you you did the playoffs. You were still playing. How did you go about way back then um, saying I'm going to start doing media right now as an active player? So the crazy thing is like growing up in the city, being a fan of the game, looking up to the bad boys, looking up to Magic Johnson. But also my favorite athletes had personality. They were flamboyant. They only, not only dress loud like Deion Sanders or Clyde Frazier, but they also talk loud like Muhammad Ali. And those voices is something that I always appreciated. Following Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and just how they were athletes, but they were more than jocks. And mm-hmm. so when I got to college, when it was time to pick a major, I wanted communications to be that. So radio, TV, film became my major. And I took those classes at Michigan, went there three years, eventually went back and got my degree. So while I was playing in the league, and and it's crazy how this works, I remember feeling like, like, you're a good player, but you ain't magic. You know what I'm saying? And that hit me one day. Like, like you got a chance to do this for a while, but you need to find something else to do. You know what I'm saying? And my first couple of years starting and coming off the bench and then getting traded to Indiana where Larry Brown gave me 15 DMPs, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have a 13-year career. So I started to figure other things that I could do in the game that I love. And once I got traded from the Pacers to the Bulls, it was February, this time of the year, and the team had nine wins. Wow. And like I'm like, we ain't going to the playoffs for sure. So I, this was 2002. I reached out to a, a contact at BT Mad Sports because I had just done the show, and I had just done 106 in part. And I pitched the idea for BT to let me cover the finals for them. At the time, it was New Jersey Nets and the Lakers. I, I was like, just send the camera. I'll get the access. I'll do all of that. So they trusted me. They did it. So they sent the cameras. We cut it. We spiced it. We edited it. They showed it on TV. And then I pitched that same idea to the best damn sports show the next year. And they already had big bro John Sally, who was doing TV. And at the time, Jason Williams from the Nets, I saw him doing some stuff with NBC while he was still playing. And Ahmad Rashad, I saw him kind of more from doing football to doing basketball. So those were guys I was like, you know what? I'm about to try to do this while I'm playing. So they hired me. So I was in the league 2003 to 2007 playing while I was still working for Best Damn Sports Show, MTV Movie Awards. I was doing halftime with Bill Walton and Snapper. I was doing boxing for top rank. I was doing all of that stuff. And so when I retired in 2007, and I was doing sideline for TNT. I worked for TNT for a couple of years. The famous video of Nick Van Axel, my brother, throwing the towel at me when I was standing <laughs> on the sideline. And I just kept going. And so in 2007, when I retired, that's when I started working full-time for ESPN. That's I actually didn't even know about all the BET stuff, so I, I appreciate that. I think um did. When I started this podcast uh, last year, and, you know, maybe a little different because I was doing it after game, 
but I caught a lot of heat for mm. actively doing a podcast and providing the content that I was providing during the final, during the playoffs, during the finals. I caught a lot of heat for it. When you first started doing that, did you catch a lot of heat? And I know it was different, but it wasn't social media and all of that stuff. But did you catch heat for that when you first started doing it? Absolutely. Because as you know, in order to be colorful and or good at this job, that means you got to say something. There's a lot of people that's vanilla and don't say nothing. But you and I are strong will, strong opinion, and we ain't scared to stand on it. And what ends, on ha ends up happening is, why you still playing, I'm still running into these players, into these coaches, into the managers, into the agents, and the fans also. And so guys used to sometimes take it personal. Oh, man, how you going to call me out like that or whatever? I'm like, dog, you had six points and eight turnovers. Like, what you expect <laughs> me to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. And, and what ends up happening is people start to earn your – you start to earn the respect of the players and of the coaches and of everybody. When they know when you speak, not only are you knowledgeable, but it ain't personal. Like, I ain't got nothing personal against you. I'm just saying what I see, giving my opinion. When you do poor, I'm going to say it. When you do great, I'm going to big you up. And I know you notice this quick. You can big up people all day, and they never shout you. They never say thank you. They never give love. But as soon as you criticize them or call them out for some BS that they did, then they want to at you. Then they want to get butt hurt. And so that's when I learned at that time, I'm going to just stay authentic be authentic to myself. And when I started to do that, I started to see me get results. You know, one of the, one of the things that I wanted to do, especially that I'm actively playing is I felt like I needed to find a balance of like, um, authenticity and telling the truth, um, and being very critical but doing it in a way where, like, I still got to play these guys. I still have to play possibly with some of these guys. Right. And, and I felt like that was one of the biggest things that I, adjustments that I had to make in going into TV right now. And I've spoke about this before. One, one instant that made me really happy because it was actually my first time doing TNT. Um, I was doing the segment on, and we were doing the Denver Nuggets game. They were in the playoffs. It was during the bubble. And Joker. Mm. And I pointed out his defense, that he's the low man. He's the back. He's the center. He has to be everybody's eyes. He has to be the communication. He has to cover up everybody's mistakes if somebody breaks down the defense. And he was missing his rotations. And so I pointed it out on TV. And I tried to do it in a way of, like, not bashing him, but letting the world know, like, this right. is an issue. And when I saw him the following year, he said to me, he said, hey, I, talk, I saw your comments about my defense. I've gotten better, and I appreciate it. Mm. It gave me so much confidence in TV, like, in doing yes. TV, like, oh, so I, could, I can do it. Yes. It gave me so much confidence. That was a very huge moment for me. That very is huge. huge. Moment. That is huge, but here's what you also know, and you know this balance. Anytime you see a player doing this job, we're only really saying like 40% of what we really know. Facts. You know, like Facts. we know everything. So Facts. it's like if I'm on TV and I'm talking about somebody had a bad game, 
I know where they was at last night. I know who they was with. I know what time they got out. As a matter of fact, I probably was with them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So now Absolutely. when I'm on TV, if I'm speaking on what happened in the game, they know it ain't personal, but they know I ain't saying everything that I could say. And that's what the Joker felt about you. He saw you breaking it down and giving knowledge, but it wasn't like you was trying to clown him or disrespect mm -hmm. him. And so that to me is when I started to draw the line because I don't like media members that name call. And so I remember when I was making my bones and I was doing first take and I was doing the show with Skip Bayless, I used to sit back and take notes and it's a debate show. So I'm like, wait a minute, he calling Chris Bosch Spice? Like, yeah. like, like, like this is really <laughs> happening? Like that, that bugged me out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to have some material ready for this dude because mm -hmm. if he come at me like that, I got the jab, I got the head shot, I got the body blow, I got whatever he going to need because I don't like the name calling. I think that went too far. Like I seen him do this recently with uh, Dak Prescott when he had just lost a family member, I believe, and he was dealing with some issues. And homie was like basically saying, I don't care about his mental wellness. Mm -hmm. And so those are the examples for me that give us a different level of credibility that can never be matched because we can be authentic and say a portion of what we know without saying too much, but yet know what not to say to make it personal. And speaking of that, I always, I always talk about this term, new media and old media. And quite frankly, people has always assumed that when I say new media, I'm talking about basketball players, current players, or like, like it's this actual thing of new media. And the reality is when I speak of new media, I'd be speaking of a way of going about the job because I think yep. the way people used to go about the job and the way people go about it today, is totally different. And and so I speak of new media and I always say like it's truth telling, it's being upfront and honest. You know, it's 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 actually analyzing the game and not just going with this stat sheet and saying, oh man, this guy played bad because he missed shots. Like, no, he could have played an incredible game and missed those shots, you know? And so mm -hmm. when I speak about new media, but there's also this new way of doing things and then there are the Skip Baylesses of the world that are old media, like, Mm -hmm. It's tired. It's all of that. Right. Um, what do you make of new media and 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 also, but player driven media, as opposed to the old fashioned way of media and, and kind of how we're seeing a change of the guard. Not in a sense because there's still a space for that, but there's a space for both. What do you make of that whole thing? The thing I make of it first off is I love the term, and it reminded me. Like, this is my 20th year covering the finals, right? And so what ends up happening is when you come onto the scene and you say the term new media, it reminded me of like an old school rapper, for example, or somebody that been out for a while and then somebody else come into the game and people try to put us against each other. I saw that happen when LeBron started his school. And if I'll be on TV and I'm like, yo, LeBron did this, they lost the game or whatever, whatever. People be like, oh, he just jealous because LeBron started a school. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, 
Like I want all people to 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 give back to their community and start a school. I'm not quote unquote jealous because his school got more hype. Like he's one of the most famous people to ever walk the earth. Like I'm Absolutely. happy that he did it because now it hot. It's almost like this. Michael Jackson wasn't the first person to do the moonwalk. He popularized it. And that's what LeBron now can do for people like me when he starts a school. It's the same thing when you say new media. People's coming to me like, what Draymond talking about? You was doing that 20 years ago. I'm like, first off, that's family. We ain't even doing that. Second off, he's right. And what you're talking about is the ability, A, to articulate the game and be unapologetic. See, at first when we got into this gig, kind of had to walk on eggshells. There was there was times where, fam, I stopped wearing earrings because they was frowned upon. I always wore long sleeves because tattoos wasn't necessarily welcome. I wore my hair a certain way. I always wore a tie and a blazer because the game was different then. Now, for me, new media is saying what you feel, dressing how you feel, driving how you want to whip, and then having a way to articulate yourself that you're speaking the language of the people that you play with. See, when you see me, I'm I'm rocking what y'all rocking. I'm, dr- I'm listening to the music that y'all listening to. And so for me, is it's up to the guys that's been doing it a long time to stay current, Facts. not the other way around. And Facts. so when I saw CJ get eliminated with Portland and he was covering y'all, I pulled nephew to the side. We got numbers. We exchanged. I remember when he got drafted, I said that he was going to be that. Same with J.J. Reddick, same whatever. And so the more of us that get into it and the more we support one another, that now changes the entire narrative when we're all pulling together and we're all saying it. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, you, you just spoke about school. I got a couple questions about school. Uh, number one, um, the Jalen Rose Charter Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into starting that? And what do you need to continue to make that the success has been, but also continue to take it to new heights because you've continued to get it better and better and make it better and, and improving it. But what do you need to continue to take that to new heights to give these kids the opportunities that you've been affording them? So you and I from the hood hood. And like when you be out there balling, there's a reason why I be singing Saginaw Pride since the day you got drafted, because I remember you in high school and in college, and I know where you from. And when you come from where we come from, you know the difference is money. The quality of your education, unfortunately, in the United States is defined by your zip code. And it ain't just education. It's the protection from the police. If you make a 911 call, it's fire. Is deserts where you can't get a quality supermarket. When you're in the hood, it's fast food, funeral homes, flower shops, gas stations, party stores. That's what we see. We see depression. Mm-hmm. We see poverty. And so I was like, how can I give back to my community? And I'm going to be frank with you. In a way, we're mass media and people who don't look like me can't block me. Even if they don't want me to do what I'm doing, when I say I'm doing it for the sake of education, even if they're not going to give me a dime, 
And even if they don't want to see me educating the kids that I'm educating, they can't say it out loud. It's almost like when white people listen to rap music. At some point, when you say in the lyrics, you're going to say all of the lyrics. That's a fact. <laughs> you, you're going to say all of the lyrics. You just got to watch where you're saying them, right? And so I realized that inner city students in Detroit were getting like $8,000 a year while their suburban counterparts were getting double that. And then the families who are fortunate enough to put their kids in private school, that costs like $40,000 a year. Absolutely. And you can start doing that K through two or three years, K, K through one or two. So now that's like a $500,000 investment in that student or the suburban student. That's like a $250,000 investment where the students from my community were only getting like $96,000. So how do I put them in position to compete for the same jobs, for the same careers, for the same opportunities and put themselves in position to be successful? I'm going to start a school. Open enrollment, tuition-free, public charter. I'm not a part of a network. I don't test students in before ninth grade. I don't test students in after ninth grade. And here's the kicker. United States don't look at us like we're cute and cuddly when we're in high school anymore. A lot of times when people want to influence us, they want to do it when we're small. Because you still got parental involvement. It's you acting out in class. I could call your parents. But when you get in ninth grade, these young people have been exposed to life, sex, drugs, violence, gangs, poverty. And so these relationships are a lot different when they're on social media now. They know what WWW is and they can go anywhere in the world. So we influencing 400 high school students and I'm influencing another 600 in what we call secondary education. So I'm influencing them in a model called nine through 16, because after 12th grade, just think about it. What does your high school do for you? Nothing, nothing, but the job ain't done. If I just came from poverty and I just graduated from high school, I'm throwing my hat in the air, but I can't put my resume nowhere and get a gig. Absolutely. So now I'm helping those students in community college, trade school, military, four-year college. And now we're helping them be in position to be successful in life. So the thing that we need is money and awareness. And I'm continuing to try to do that. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished over 12 years. We're fundraising right now to expand our facility. I took over a middle school, converted it into a high school. And sadly, our basketball team has never played a home game because I took over an elementary school. Mm. And when you look at our budget, I'm the founder, I'm the president of the board, I'm the chief fundraiser, and shout to my co-founder, Michael Carter, shout to all of my board members, the founding team, our students, our staff is amazing, our, our school leader, Principal Lewis, our parents, they all believe in my vision. And so now for me, it's to expand the facility so I can get three more classrooms, I want to create a health and wellness space for mental health. I want to create a space for yoga where young people can be stretching and getting exposed to things while they're in the building. And I want to have a gym so that now when people come play college games or high school tournaments or pro teams or whatever, we have the kind of facility that they can come enjoy. So you took over an elementary school. There's been um, 30 
high schools in Detroit closed. Correct. Are are you not able to get access to those buildings that they've closed down? I'm about to give you some game that people don't know about education. First off, I remember trying to open the school, and this was a, a, a political cycle that people were going back and forth about public school, charter school, magnet school. I'm like, first off, I don't care what kind of school they go to. You can homeschool them. I'm just trying to put them in position to have a quality school to go to. Mm-hmm. And then there were people like, well, charter schools are still in sc- students from the public schools. Newsflash, a charter school is a public school. <laughs> That's just cap. And why do people say that? Because one of the largest donors of the Democratic Party is the teachers union. And so why is that so important to both of those things? Because if you're part of the union, you get something called tenure as a teacher. That means you could go to school for two or three years and basically never get fired. And that has nothing to do with your results. But when you go to a charter school, you give up your tenure opportunity. And so that's what they're fighting against. And then they're also fighting against the numbers of students that are in a public school building that you're talking about. You ready for this? Because a public school building is gifted. A charter school building, we get zero state funding for the facility. Zero. Not for improvements, not for expansion, nothing. If something happens with the boiler at the school right now, if something happens with a light bulb at the school right now, my phone ringing. Wow. You see what I'm saying? And so that's one of the dirty secrets about education is that we get zero state funding for our facilities. And so therefore, that's why writing and raising and me creating awareness for the school is so very important. That's incredible. I'm going uh, to send y'all a $25,000 check in oh, sometime love. these next couple of weeks. That's I'll give my financial team and get that out. Thank you. So I Appreciate think it's that. absolutely amazing. Um, like the amount of, like me knowing you personally, the amount of time that you give to that. Like I've seen you at times where you're in your front row and you hustling like, yo, no doubt. <laughs> I need to go raise this money for these kids. Like you really hustling yes. going to do that. I got so much respect for Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate like, that. Because I think that's absolutely amazing. But continuing on along the lines of school, you said uh, you ended up going back to finish your degree. Why was this so important for you to go back? You're Jalen Rose. You're the 13th yep. pick. You're going into TV. Like, why was this so important for you to go back and finish your degree? Because school was actually always important to me. I never wanted to be considered a dumb jock. I hated that term. I used to see people get called that. And I was like, I'm going to make sure nobody ever called me that. And then, you know, the whole stigma, like, oh, you play athlete. You're an athlete. You talented. So now people hooking you up with your grades or people doing your work for you and that type of stuff. So then I was like, you know, I started to take pride. And one of the funny things that happened in high school is I got a chance to take some accelerated classes because I was an honor roll student. and. I heard that if you got a certain GPA and your attendance was this, that you got a chance to meet a special guest that was going to come to the school at the end of the year for a seminar. And then I found out 
That guest was Irvin Magic Johnson. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So I couldn't be on the basketball team, an All-American, and Magic come to the school, and I can't go to the gym and see him. That part. You know what I'm saying? That, that would not have been a good look. So I really started to buckle down on my academics. Same when I was in Michigan. Was a, was a Dean's List student at Michigan. And so at that point, I don't went to school for three years in the middle of winter. You know, it's cold outside. I might as well finish. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I might as for well sure. finish at that point. I'm in the league taking correspondence courses. I'm like, I'm going to finish. And Michigan at the time, and this showing my age, wasn't even offering the classes I needed for to allow me to graduate unless I went on campus. I'm like, I can't, wow. I can't go on campus. So I eventually took my courses online at the University of Maryland University College. And that's actually where I got my degree from. Wait, so your degree today is not from the University of Michigan? Correct. They didn't even offer the classes that I needed. And I love Michigan, and I hope somebody hear this. They should be getting at me to give me some sort of honorary degree and putting the banners back up. Like, you I go to games, fam. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Correct. I I I didn't grab. I, I didn't. They didn't offer the classes that I needed. Just so you know. Just so you know. Just so we're clear. The mistake you made in life. That would have never happened at Michigan State. I'm just saying. I know. Would never happened at State. That's and, and ridiculous. You, you know what? I know. And let me just be real with you. You know I love is absolutely. And I took a visit to Michigan State. I looked up to Magic. I looked up to Steve Smith's six, eight big guards. Motor City I, Smitty. I, no doubt. I idolized them. But I couldn't turn down the chance to be the fifth member of the Fab Five. That part. That's why I that changed part. my number. I didn't wear five in high school. I wore 42. I mm -hmm. changed my number because I was the fifth member of the Fab Five to sign. That's why I changed my number. That's interesting because, like I said, I, 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 it's almost like you took it over, though. Like, like the five five, it became your thing. But it would make sense because you essentially made it the five five. Yes. But uh, that's I, I, I find that very interesting. So, a lot of laws have changed in United States of America. Drug laws have changed. We've seen. Yep. People that you and I know who had life in prison get out because laws changed and yep. they're no longer subject to that time. The things that y'all got in trouble for, kids can now do. Correct. No problem. They can make money off their likeness. They, they got endorsement deals. There's kids in college making a million dollars a year, which I'm happy about. Like, get your money. It's great. I want to talk to you about the NIL too, but now that making money is legal in college, why hasn't those banners gone back up? If you're being punished, as I was thinking about this, about you guys, the Five Five, I was thinking about this about Reggie Bush. Like these are y'all, y'all worked to become the Five Five and, yep. and, and accomplish what y'all accomplished. Reggie Bush worked, yep. and it got snatched away because some poor kids needed some money. Mm -hmm. Now that those laws have changed, why haven't all of those banners gone back up? So. And by the way, that's a Michigan thing at that point, not an NCAA thing, because they can do it right now. Just like UMass did it for Coach Cal, 
um, and Memphis did, just like Maurice Claret at Ohio State, they could do it right now. For whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. And now that Juwan's leading the program, I have faith that it will happen. But to be honest, it, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's true. Since we didn't win it, I don't really care about those banners. I feel like it should be one banner with all of our numbers on it or like retire our numbers or like give us a statue or something like truly immortalize what we've done. And when you talk about what we got disciplined for, let me tell you what's crazy. It was a thing that's happened in sports because it's a remnant of slavery. And I know as soon as I say this, People that don't look like us sometimes shoulder shrug and like, oh, here we go. But here's what happens. The black sports, predominantly football and basketball, you're put in a position as an athlete where they can profit off of you longer mm-hmm. and you get paid less. If you notice in tennis, in golf, in NASCAR, in hockey, in all, gymnastics, whatever, golf, whatever other sports. It ain't no restrictions after high school. Mm-hmm. Ain't no restrictions. They can have sponsors. They can go play. They can do what they love, and they can earn money. And by mm-hmm. the way, you've been on a college campus. Just because you wasn't getting paid, guess what? The people from the student council was. Absolutely. They was getting paid. Other students could have jobs. So the remnants of those sports make it to where they can profit off of us as long as possible while paying us the least. And so when you have a high-profile team like UNLV or John Thompson's teams at Georgetown that all of a sudden play with an attitude, oh, man, we got to muzzle them. We got to allow them to perform, but we don't want our kids dressing and looking like them. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being one of the most hated athletes. Now, Jalen is a common name. Like, literally. And so what happens is, it's one thing for Ray, it's one thing for Jalen, Chris, and Jawan to go on and play long careers in the NBA and make the kind of coins that we did. It breaks my heart when I look at UNLV and Anderson Hunt. The final mm-hmm. four MVP didn't profit off of his likeness. Or Jimmy King and Ray Jackson, members of the Fab Five. Harachis were a shoe that we popularized. We popularized black socks. They didn't even sell black Facts. socks at the Facts. mall. Imagine if we had the trademark for long shorts. Yeah. Imagine if we had the trademark for Fab Five then. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so... With all of that taking place, it just hurts me that those gentlemen ain't able to profit off of what blood, sweat, and tears that they've been able to do. But I know, and it makes me smile that the young people now can because I remember being a champion for that for like 30 years. And people looking at me like, oh, you should just be happy you got a scholarship. If I had a scholarship, I would da-da-da. No, but you ain't talented. And making the school money, and therefore they're profiting off of you and selling your jersey and selling tickets and doing all of that and making money off the shoe company. You know this. You sign a letter of intent. You might as well sign a shoe deal. 
Mm-hmm. You can't go to Michigan State and whatever, wear whatever shoe you want. You got to wear whatever. Right. You can't. And, and here's the here's the dirty secret about the NIL. It ain't true market value. Mm-hmm. Here's why. None of your sponsors could compete with the ones that the school already have. And they got the best ones. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So they already getting top dollar from the radio, from TV, from the advertising, from the shoe company. And so now you could get like, all right, you know, we'll get you something at the local gym. You know what I'm saying? We'll get you a, mm-hmm. uh, we gonna get you a membership for the next 12 months, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And we've seen some quarterbacks, you know, get paid. And, and, and the young lady, um, uh, Paige, Paige Buckets from Connecticut get paid. There's been some individuals, but for the most part, if you notice in totality, it ain't become the mushroom effect for players getting paid to then want to go play in college. Like the headline is because you're really getting a secondary market for the sponsors. Turn every Thursday into payday with TNT Thursdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. Doesn't matter if you win or lose. FanDuel's giving all customers $10 in bonus bets every Thursday. Just bet a $10 bill or more same game parlay on any NBA TNT game. Same game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets, two or three or four, for a chance at a bigger payday. You build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Win or lose, you're guaranteed to get $10 added to your account. Get $10 back every Thursday, win or lose, with TNT Thursdays exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think when I look at the NIL, and like I said, it's great that these kids are making money, but that, for instance, I think is a huge thing that'll probably have learned long-term effects that guys don't realize, or not even guys, just students in general, guys, girls. And that is this. If, in which they are, you're not allowed to partner with the premium brands, essentially, because they're going to be... In East Lansing, the top brands are going to be a sponsor of Michigan State. That's just Correct. Of the school, before and after you. Absolutely. So... In most of these college towns, I mean, in most of the, where most of these colleges are, college towns. So it's in East Lansing, it's in Ann Arbor, it's a blah, 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 blah. You endorse these second tier, third tier brands for a year, two, three, or four years. Your name becomes synonymous with that brand. Say you then go on to the NFL, you go on to the NBA. Your name is synonymous with second-tier brands. If I'm Mercedes-Benz, I'm not coming to give you a deal. Mm. You don't have a premium brand. So mm. why would I come give you, why would I come give you a deal? And you 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 haven't been aligned with premium brands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that that's one of the effects of, of the NIL that we've yet to really mm. see because it's so fresh. But I'm interested in seeing if people will find if that will happen. And that's a great point. And that's why, like, imagine the revenue streams that the coaches get. They get money from TV, from radio, from the school, mm-hmm. from the shoe company, mm-hmm. endorsements and appearances. Yeah. Just give us that. Absolutely. Right? Imagine if these schools had a shoe brand that was sponsoring them. It's X amount of football players on the team, say 100. There's X amount of players on the basketball team, say 15. If the school getting 150 million, 200 million, why each player can't get a million? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree, 100%. They, the, they, the school can do that. They're choosing not to. They're not sharing their revenue stream from their premium endorser with their student athletes and also they can't say it out loud but there's still coaches that don't even want the players to get that mm-hmm. it's still coaches in college football basketball all of these sports that still don't want the players to profit off of their name image and likeness and that's crazy i think i think it's absolutely ridiculous and like you talk to those coaches you know they'll 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 speak on the challenges that it presents, but a challenge that's presented if if you don't have that is how are these kids eat? Correct. How are these kids' families eat? Like, Correct. And all of those things. So I think 
you know, no, no matter what, you can look at it from both sides. But in speaking of, you know, these schools or the NCAA in general, I think it's time that we get rid of this amateurism work. This is right. no longer amateurism. These guys are now they're making money off their name, image and likeness, which is great. Like you're, you're, you're getting some money. So and for for majority of these kids, and like you just talked about Anderson Hunt, like you just talked about Ray and Jimmy, for majority of these kids, they won't be in the position that we'll be in. That'll be the most money they'll ever make. Correct. From basketball. Now, whether you go on and do something, yep. you know, down the yep. road, that's a totally different thing. But from basketball, that'll be the most money that they'll ever make. And for these schools and the NCAA, not like – I felt like the NIL for the NCAA was just a cop-out for everybody to shut up and say, it's a, for everyone to stop saying, let's pay these athletes. And guess what? I am guilty of this too because I was very outspoken about athletes getting paid. And sure enough, they did the NIL and I've shut up too. Mm. I've shut up too. Mm. I, I remember being on TV the day the ruling got paid. And I literally stood on the table like I am not about to bust my arm, patting myself on the back for being a champion of the NIL happening because of my voice, because all that is is a Band-Aid. Yeah. All, that's all that is. It, the, the true money is if I can make money off my name, image, and likeness, or I can make money with the school. That's Absolutely. The, the school got the money. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 I can't, I can't use their logo. At all. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> At all. <laughs> but, but the low, but, but the block M is very synonymous with Jalen Rose and the five five. Correct. No question. Very synonymous. Yes. If you, if you took the block M right now and sold five five gear, it, it sell out like that. Yes, absolutely. Or, They'll sue me so fast, I wouldn't get a chance to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what the athletes are kind of realizing, which is why people aren't lining up to necessarily go play in college no more. They mm -hmm. go into the G League. They're going overseas. It's players just like, I'd rather just work out for a year and enter the draft mm -hmm. versus going to college and be a part of that system. That's, that's what this has become. Absolutely. Jay, I know you got to get out of here. We haven't spoke NBA at all. Um, just a couple NBA questions. Um, number one, who is your MVP this year? Who will walk with the MVP? Mm -hmm. And number two, who do you think the finals come down to when it's all said and done this year? So a couple of things. And I'm really fortunate to be an actual voter. And I vote for all of the NBA awards. I just recently did an all-star ballot. And as somebody whose biological father played in the league, and, you know, being from Michigan, we played whatever sport it is that season. We played football, baseball, basketball, ran cross country, whatever. Like, I take it serious. Like, I'm literally trying to make sure that I'm a student of the game and I'm rewarding people that deserve it. And as I look at this year, there's some amazing candidates. But you can't ignore what the Joker's doing. Incredible, man. <laughs> like, 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 it, it, and I know Bill Russell and Larry Bird are the only people to win the MVP three times in a row. 
And so what ends up happening is it becomes an award about storyline. It becomes an award about perception of doing the most with the least and or having a historic year to go with your numbers. And so after he's won it twice, it's like, all right, we should be trying to give it to somebody else in mm-hmm. theory. That's what the, the the lazy prevailing thinking becomes. And so I love what Luca's doing. He putting up historic numbers, flirting with leading the league and scoring, giving supersized triple doubles. Um, but I just don't know if his team's record is going to be, you know, top four in the West. I love what Ja's doing. He's spectacular. You know how explosive he is, and he'll eventually win it one day. Um, You got to always talk about Steph in the conversation. I know he's dealt with some injuries, and y'all didn't get off to the start that y'all wanted to get off to, but he's still out here flames. LeBron is out here killing this year. Yes, he is. You know what I'm yes, he is. Like, like LeBron is out. I, the first time I've ever watched LeBron be down by 20 and be mesmerized was the other night against the Clippers. Like, I was watching that game like, yo, he is really killing. Mm-hmm. Doing threes, off the catch, off the dribble, dunking, spinning, like, he got to be in the conversation. And then Jason Tatum, how he's elevated. And the Celtics are a number one seed. Absolutely. Um, Giannis is going to make Giannis. sure that the Bucks are flirting with a top-tier seed in the East. And then in BE also. So, like, there's all of these great candidates. So now what's going to separate them? Team record. Right now, Denver's number one in the West. Historic stats. This dude about to average a triple-double. As a center. center. Jesus Christ. As a center. That's that's just mind-blowing. And so right now, if I had to select a betting choice, it has to be the Joker. He's getting 25, 12, and 10 assists on a nightly basis, shooting 60%, and like 30-some, 40% from three. Like, And they got the number one seed. It's a lot of ball to be played, but right now I would have to say him. As it relates to the finals, I still feel like y'all got to run in y'all. Yeah, we do. You know, I, I just saw Kaminga float to the left the other night like Connie Hawkins. Ah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> all right, young fella. That's what yes, I'm talking sir. about. That's what they need. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about the West race, in the East, I feel like Boston. Let me just say that. Boston is the best team in the East. They're the deepest team in the East. They got two wing scores that could get you 25 or 30. They got great guard play, multiple guards with White and Brogdon and Marcus Smart. Like, they got multiple bigs and Robert Williams and Horford. Like, they they just, they just loaded. So I'll say Boston, if healthy, should win. Here's why the West is intriguing. The people that's been there and done that are lower in the standings today as we speak. The Warriors, as you know, LeBron, the Clippers, the Suns, like these are all people that have done it recently. So now it's New Jacks at the top. Denver, Memphis, Sacramento is third. Sack. In the the West, Sacramento. Shout out to Mike Brown. No doubt. He balling. He got him him balling doing his thing. So, but here's the thing. When the Kings play against one of the teams I just mentioned in the first round, like the Warriors or the Lakers, they ain't going to be favorite. 
Yeah, they not. They you gonna, haven't been there before. Yeah, they ain't going to be favorite. And so that's going to catapult you veteran-laden teams into position to do it. So I'm just excited about the West. I'm excited about um, covering the West because we have the West this year. And I ain't ruling out being in the Golden State for at least the conference finals. That part. I respect that. Actually, uh, this is the last question. We're going to get out of here. It's a very personal question. Um, Jimmy Walker. Mm. Number one pick. Yep. Your biological father. You never met him. The number one pick in 1967. What impact did that have on you growing up as a kid? Growing up as a kid that played basketball to know my father is the number one pick, but I never had the chance to know him, yet I'm essentially walking in these footsteps. Like, it's just in me. Like, what impact? Because that's, like, having dad issues is one thing, not meeting your father is is a totally different thing. We know the traumas that come with that. But to actually walk in that light and say, no, I'm a basketball player. I'm from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a big thing. I'm chasing this dream. Oh, and by the way, my father was a number one pick, and I don't even have a chance to talk to him, meet him. What impact did that have on me? A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment, because a lot of times you start to think, he don't want to meet me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then it's, when I'm at St. Cecilia and people are referencing him and showing him love, but I'm standing next to my mother who just brought me there and we're poor and they talking about him. I resented that. You see, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And absolutely. It, it, it became where I never talked about him. When I was very young, I used to carry his basketball card. And I should take it to the park and be like, yo, this is my dad or whatever. <clears throat> and then as I started to get like in middle school and, you know, kids say mean things. And mm-hmm. so having his name, the first thing a kid would do when they try to joke on me was act like JJ from Good Times was my father. Wow. You know what I'm saying? To try to disrespect mm-hmm. me. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Like, you don't know your father. There, he, Jimmy Walker. No, no, he's JJ from Good. So that used to, that used to be fist fight right off. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and as I started to get older, I was like, he was my inspiration to follow in his footsteps, but he was also my motivation that he was going to learn my name one day. Mm-hmm. And when I got to high school and he wore 24 when he played with the Pistons, I purposely picked number 42 because wow. I'm like, I'm going to be the opposite of how he was with me. Wow. And so that was my number in high school, out of spite, literally. And so once I got to college, and I'm not mad at Mitch album now, but as I look back at it, I'm disappointed. And he literally gave me a letter as he was writing the Fab Five book the night before we played the national championship game. And I had never met my father. He gave me this letter because he had just talked to him for his book. And so I remember just sitting there staring at this letter. Ain't no excuse, by the way. We got waxed. And, you know, I ain't got no problems talking about bad games or whatever. But I just remember, like, thinking about this years later 
and understanding that this has such a profound impact on me that mm-hmm. I kept that letter for like seven years with me and never even opened it. Wow. Like Linus in a blanket on Charlie Brown. Like I just kept it with me, just always in my bag, always with me, always with me. And then <clears throat> after we made the finals when I was in the league and after I got paid and I won most improved, I was like, now nah, I'm ready. <clears throat> And I remember being at Dale Davis' crib. They was in the front playing poker. And I went in the back in his bathroom, and I opened the letter, and I read it. And it was a number on there, and I called him. I'm like, I'm about to call him right now. And the first number, he wasn't there. They gave me a second number. Second number wasn't there. I ended up talking to, like, his sister, and she was giving me some game about him, some good game, some bad game, good game. He's a great man. He would love to meet you. It's all, you know, he whatever. Then there was some dubious things like he had 13 kids by 11 women and da-da-da-da. So it was all types of like just. And so I finally got him on the phone. First thing I told him is I loved him. I thanked him for the genes. I thanked him for the inspiration. And I told him I ain't got no hard feelings. I made it. And however the journey took us, this is how God meant it to be. And so I want to meet you. I want to celebrate you. I want us to be able to start a relationship. And the crazy thing about this, Day Day, a couple of years go by. I'm playing in the league. I'm working in the media. I'm talking to him on the phone in like 2007. And I'm like, I'm coming to see you this summer. He died before the playoffs ended, and I got a chance to see him. I believe he died. Like I was working the, the finals, as you know. And I was going to go see him like in July. And I believe he died before I got a chance to actually go see him. But I did go to his funeral with Dave Bean. And for all you youngsters out there that's having a lot of babies and choosing not to be in their lives, let me tell you something. His funeral was the coldest thing you ever want to see. It was like, I'm not making this up. It was like in a cafeteria. And it was like 30 people there. It was so chilling. I was like, yo, whoa. I, I was like, I'm just dropped to my knees and, and, and just like ask for forgiveness for any of my sins because I, whatever this is, I don't want this. This ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have an infant have a funeral and it could be hundreds of people there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so. That experience did teach me a lot, but being a part of the NBA family and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming up to me, talking to me about, hey, I went to your grandmother's house. She cooked real good. I used to hang out with your dad or whatever. And Clyde Frazier telling me stories and Jerry West telling me stories and stuff like that. I appreciated how they still treated me, those OGs, like I was in the family then, even though I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because I That's was blood. Deep. That's deep, man. That's that's deep. Wow. You know, I, I have I've I've had my little fair share of dad issues. And when you're going through it, no nobody talks to anyone. And so until you start talking to someone, you realize, yo, it's so many more people going through this same thing. But when Correct. you're going through it by yourself, it feels like you're the only person got that issue. Correct. And I applaud you for for your approach to have 
to be man enough to call him and say, man, I ain't mad at you. I love you. Like, and I appreciate you. That's yeah. so powerful. Uh, what I will say to people out there is if you having those issues, talk to somebody. Yep. You'll be very shocked on the guy that you talk to next to you got the same issues. Yep. And got also, the same exact issue. but also here's the other thing I want to say. You don't realize how much anxiety and pain and hurt that you have from that. So if you can fix it, do it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like there's certain relationships that for whatever reason, that just, you can't repair. But if you can fix it, do it. Mm-hmm. Jay Rose, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for coming on the show. Always. I love you, my brother. One call away. I'll see you in the playoffs. Yes, sir. I love you too, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.